Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast that believes in strong things. Whoa. Three things, one of which I'm already working on. Strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. Oh, my Lord. Let's start with our panelists. You know them, you love them. The pride of Fort Worth, Texas. Steven, my friend, how are you doing, and what are you drinking? Well, it, it comes to my attention. It, you've made several comments. On the last episode, I was kind of low energy, so I apologize for that. I'm going to crank it up here. I'm going to crack open a cherry Coca-Cola Zero and just get to chugging so I can get back up to my usual form. I promise to speak up this time. Yeah, we all remember how, how lackluster and, and melancholy Steven was last episode. This should be interesting. Uh, Tim Dipple from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Same two to you, sir. I am doing all right, Chris. I am just as much, if not more, tired than I was last time, but at least I have some opinions this time. Uh, I am sticking with my water, though, and uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Speaking of good times, you know he's drinking that happy juice from Fayetteville, not Fayetteville, Huntsville, Alabama. See, strong drinks. Huntsville, Alabama. Mike, <laughs> how about you? Well, Chris, I am doing good uh, with the exception of the beer that I am currently holding in my hand. Uh, my punishment for the stupidity of making an Oscar bet against you continues. You had suggested either Milwaukee's Best or Ice House, neither of which I was able to find. Shocking that Owens Crossroads, Alabama, doesn't have a whole lot of beer on the shelves right now. I maintain but, you did uh, not go to shitty enough gas stations. Yeah, th I, th I think that's probably true. It's shocking that we don't have shitty gas stations. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you suggested Ice House, and I said, well, natural ice, maybe that's close enough. We're going to find uh, out. Our Oscar bet two years ago featured me chugging a Natty Light, so I figured Natty Ice a fair enough trade. So that's that's what I've got here. Ooh, that was a good pop, though. I'll give it that. The only good thing about that beer. Mm. It's probably been <laughs> sitting on the shelves for a month and a half. To it probably has. You're right. Chris, uh, since I am not drinking something tasty, tell us about what tasty thing you're drinking. Yeah, I am. I'm back on the beer train. Still working on my way through the U.S., my 50 states, 50 bottles in 50 states thing. Made a mistake last time. I got the California beer, and I already had, had had a California beer. So I now have two California beers on my map of the U.S., but there's 72 slots on that map. I'm perfectly fine. I went a little far, a little bit further north. This, this particular beer is from the Prairie Artisan Ales. Yep. Which is an individual. It's a brewery, I guess, out of Oregon. This uh, is called. Those are expensive, aren't they? Yes, this was not a cheap beer. Yeah, every time I see Prairie Artisan, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to pay that much. No, I think this is seven dollars. Yeah, it's um, like seven dollars for a twelve ounce bottle. Yeah, it's a small bottle. It's called Pirate Weekend, and it says absolutely nothing about the beer on it. I have no idea. Oh, hold on, here it is: a stout aged in rum barrels with coconut, cocoa nibs, and marshmallow flavor. Hmm. It's Let's got see. a very colorful label. I love the label. Oh, I don't like rum. But that marshmallow at the end is beautiful. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> like a s'more. <laughs> it's like a rum s'more. Holy crap. Yeah, right. with, the, with the nibs and the, and the marshmallow. I'm not surprised. Sweet. Hmm. All right. Jeff, let's go over to you. 
Kind of funny you uh, you don't like rum because that's actually what I'm drinking right now. Uh, I have a, <laughs> uh, a sweet dark rum from the uh, the Raleigh Rum Company. Uh, about a uh, 40 minute bike ride from where I'm sitting right now. Uh, uh, it's all right. It's just it's a local product and i try to drink those whenever possible so you may um, have uttered the most raleigh statement ever it's a 40 minute <laughs> bike ride to get the locally made rum <laughs> yep. no no tim i don't actually go to the distillery to get it i make the 15 minute walk to the abc store <laughs> no there you go there's the most raleigh statement ever i make the 15 minute walk to the <laughs> abc store <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out who decides when they're going to go get rum. They're going to go not to the Caribbean and get one of the dozens <laughs> upon Raleigh. dozens of of like locally sourced small batch rum barrels. But no, mm. you decide to go to Raleigh's best distillery. <laughs> hey, look, only distillery. If they, their their wares are going to suck for a little while, and then they're going to get better. You just going to have to have to roll with it until they they get to the point where they can actually do something. So Je- now Jeff you're, is paving his uh, way so, to be so a hipster wait, 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 wait. he can say, "Well, I liked that rum before it was good." So <laughs> he's the, he's the hipster of Raleigh rum. He is. There are, there are those who would argue that I'm that uh, I'm not just on my way to being a hipster at this point, Mike. That's I was. That, that's a fair point. He was a hipster before it was cool. <laughs> I think we have to change the, the logline of the show from, uh, you know, strong drinks, strong opinions, and crying champions to strong drinks, strong opinions, bad choices, and crowning champions. Yeah, that's yeah. probably that's all thanks to Jeff opting to go for Fayetteville rum. No, no, <laughs> no. no, worse, no. Raleigh rum. He he has some Did standards. Did you just call damn it. Raleigh worse than Fayetteville? From a the people in Tim Fayetteville are going to have to have this argument. <laughs> the people in Fayetteville, I'm willing to bet, have at least been around the world. This is true. Raleigh, yeah. I'm willing to bet, has not as not anywhere near as often. But you know what? We're, we're done. We're done. We're we're shutting this shit down. We're moving on. We have Don't a direct judge flight to London and Paris part of here. <laughs> okay. Well, no one wants to go to Paris, Texas, this time of year, Jeff. We're moving on. And we are starting this off with Steven. Steven, you're picking up between the number one seed from this portion of the bracket. Of course, Jeopardy taking on the 16 seed, the seldomly seen, but still, in my opinion, entertaining. It's academic. First, let's pour one out for Alec Trebek. No one will ever wear a mustache like you again. Here, here. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Next. Yeah, it's academic. It's a, it's a fun show. It, it's It's kind of trivial pursuit with high school kid teams that's it's it's fun to watch i enjoy watching along with it but jeopardy every now and then there's a category where i can fucking sweep it i can do all eight and that makes me feel really really smart and then every now and then there's a category where i can't do one of the eight and that eight? makes me feel really really dumb isn't there eight going down well, five there's only five. five see i don't even know how many there are but it makes me feel smart when I get them all. And that's the important part. So clearly, I'm going to go with Jeopardy here. It's, it's Jeopardy. It's a classic. Tim, I appreciate the, the restraint that you showed there. He was very politely holding his finger up to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Tim, you're up. 
uh, well, while Steven is feeling smart while he gets eight out of five, um, well, anyone can get five out of five, but the really smart people get all eight. Um, this is days a week. All right, all right. Th- this one, I mean, it's academic. It's it's the cream of the trivia game crop versus show that I've never seen, really never heard of, and is not even the best version of its own show. Like, if I want to watch high school, college age kids go to uh, just compete against each other i'm gonna watch uh peyton manning's show uh because that's actually funny um i'm not gonna belabor any points jeopardy gets it hashtag buzzy for host jeopardy's got another vote buzzy hopefully actually i I would be okay with that i like buzzy who the Uh, fuck is buzzy uh former jeopardy champion he's actually really good too he's very charismatic former tournament of champions he's actually on the chase starting this new season, but we'll yep. get there. Oh, right, cool. Right. I didn't okay. know that. Mike, you're up. No one has any love for noted immunologist Aaron Rodgers to host the show. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or Pennsylvania, not Pennsylvania resident, Dr. Oz. Oh, oh my God. <sighs> Mike, oh, no. save me. All Mike, right. save me. All right. And I'm just going to start talking all worlds. <laughs> We're in the darkest timeline. All right. Thank you, Dr. Anti Pangloss. Um, <laughs> the, uh, this one, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised to see its academic even make this list because I wasn't even sure how much of a regional thing it was. Uh, it's a little bit, I, so I was happy to see it, but it was also a little bit heartbreaking to know that I was going to be sending it home. Well, now I am going to be sending home, but no, it was going to be sent home. In the first round, because I was on my high school's It's Academic team. I met e Jeff. Team. Cheer, yeah, cheers. Cheers to C-Team. That's right. <laughs> That's how Jeff and I met. We were, uh, well, it's not how we met, but I, I think that was the where the, the fires of our friendship were stoked, I suppose. But no, we yeah, we, we played a lot. Most people talk about their quiz bowl teams or whatever. Our team was called the It's Academic Team. And the A team got to go on to the show and, you know, with Mac McGarry and everything like that. It was great. I, and it was honestly my experience with It's Academic in high school, along with a couple of very entertaining family battle of the sexes games of Trivial Pursuit. Or those are the things that really ignited my love of trivia. But it's still Jeopardy. Jeopardy is the quintessential trivia game show. I don't. It's very hard to argue that that is not the case. And Alex Trebek, of course, is an icon, such an iconic host that we're, we're a year later after his passing, we're still searching for any you know who's going to be a permanent replacement. Jeopardy. Gets my vote, hands hands down. As much as I grew up on and loved its academic, it's Jeopardy. And Jeff? Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike pretty much said it. I uh, Oddly enough, I sang as a uh, lullaby tonight the, uh, the opening verse to Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town, which <laughs> actually, I believe, for whatever reason, was a song that... Our it's academic team in high school had as I don't know if I call it a theme song or just a recurring thing joke among the five of us that yep. uh, that were on that team. <laughs> uh, 
it, it's a little bit odd to see of the shows that I have an emotional attachment to on this bracket to see number one and number two face off against each other in the first round. Uh, and because you know, like, like Mike said, I was on the it's academic team for a while in high school. It was the, the show that, I felt like I could participate in because, you know, maybe if I had actually spent the time to get good at quiz bowl type things, I could have actually been on that show. Right. Uh, and I, I do have uh, friends from high school who were on both shows. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know, man, because uh, it's academic, which I mean, totally a uh, regional DC area thing. Uh, I'm honestly surprised that Chris and Steven have even heard of it uh, and was convinced that the only reason it was on here was Mike, was Mike badgered Chris into putting it on here, which uh, I guess did not happen. So I didn't say a thing. I was pleasantly surprised. Funny to see. Um, I'm going to give the emotional vote to its academic just so a show that really was a significant part of my childhood doesn't go home empty handed. Uh, I'm just glad that I'm voter number four here. And so I I don't have to be the one to send it home. Thanks Mike uh, for doing the dirty work there. Uh, and, uh, we'll talk more about Jeopardy in the next round. Oh, well that we will. Um, yes, I've heard of it. academic. I've seen a few episodes of it. It's quite entertaining and they're all smarter than me, <laughs> but we're moving on. Tim, you're li- you're kicking us off with this next one. This one I've got opinions on. So we're going to see how this goes. The eight seed, press your luck. The nine seed cash cab. Take us away. All right. Uh, spoiler alert. I tend to, uh, favor the trivia podcast uh trivia games over uh you know games of luck or anything so while i do have a lot of nostalgia for pressure luck i i mean i've said before i basically live and breathe trivia so i'm gonna say no whammy no whammy no whammy cash cab cash cab (laughs) has its first vote uh going over to mike yeah, this is a tough one. I really like Cash Cab. It's a fun twist on the on the trivia show. Uh, I, it's super entertaining. It's it's very uh, it keeps things moving because you get a number of contestants and you meet each one of them and you get a you know a unique set of questions. You know they they have you know kind of their version of the lifeline where you stop the cab and ask some rando on the street. It's it's there's a lot of fun things that are going on with Cash Cab. Uh, but it doesn't have the whammy. And what I struggled with in this pick is, is big money, big money, no whammies, no whammies. That's so iconic. Is that enough? And I didn't know, but quite frankly, the only, I I watched a decent amount of pressure luck when I was younger, but that's the only thing I remember about it. I remember the little thing going around the board and, you know, no, no whammies, no whammies stop. Apparently there was some guy, I remember reading this, that, that some guy figured out the pattern on the board and basically uh, learned how to ace the show. That's pretty cool. But honestly, right now, if at the end of this show, I could go on and these were my only two choices and I could put on either pressure luck or cash cap, I'd put on cash cap. So it's getting my vote. Cash cab is up two to nothing. Next pick here. Well, wouldn't you know it? We're going to Jeff. 
All right. So, uh, press your luck does have the uh, the advantage of a I me having watched it as a child, and so having some nostalgia for it, and b the fact that no whammies has kind of become a cultural catchphrase. On the other hand, I kind of just wanted the couple of times I visited New York, I've kind of just wanted to ride cabs around in the on the off chance that I would end up in the cash cab. <laughs> uh, and just tell them to go someplace crazy like take me to fucking Westchester and let's answer some questions. <laughs> uh Cash Cab was highly entertaining. I always would watch the hell out of it, sober or not sober, uh, during the, the the late evenings when it was actually on. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was another one where you would occasionally just be shouting at the uh, the screen because you knew the right answer and the passengers in the cab didn't. And it also had the advantage of having the lowest budget set of any game show <laughs> that has ever existed. And there's something endearing to that, uh, especially in an era where the sets are getting a little bit more intricate and choreographed. I'll rant about the sets in a couple of matchups, but in the meantime, let's just talk about sending Cash Cab forward. Before we move on, I want to point out Jeff has problems with sets, and he didn't bring it up when Mental Samurai was up, which I believe is the one where they strap you into a giant robot and rotate you around the freaking stage. Hell yeah, that's awesome. No. (laughs) I'm going to rant about this a little bit in a couple of matchups, Chris. Okay. (laughs) I would have thought that would have come with Mental Samurai, but I I can be patient. All right, and Steven, we're over to you. Do we have a sweep? So I have a uh, reoccurring nightmare and uh, quick confession time. I, I have very, very bad, like New York geography in my head. I've never been there. I, I know it from movies and, you know, geography in movies is questionable anyway. So I have this premonition going on that I will one day visit New York City. And on that day, I will find myself in the cash cab. And I will have requested to go exactly one fucking block because I don't know where I am or where I'm going. <laughs> this haunts wow. me to know it. It's a very specific bad dream. I mean, but come on, it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. I know. I know. That's what makes it the best bad dream ever. <laughs> Oh my lord. Look, look, the only entertaining episode, it was mentioned before, the one guy that was able to figure out the pattern for uh, for uh, pressure lock, that's the only entertaining episode of it, because you can watch the get, uh, the host get continuously more and more frustrated as he figures out what's going on. Um, beyond that, there's no reason really to watch that show. Uh, so, I'll go with Cash Cab, even though I know one of these days he's going to come back and bite me in the ass. Cash Cab picks up the sweep, and I can give my opinion. Um, I have loved Elizabeth Banks for as long as I can remember. Like, going back to the 40-year-old virgin, the scene in the bathtub, I have loved Elizabeth Banks. The fact that this this show makes it unwatchable with her as the host is really disappointing. Yeah. That show is so boring. Tim, you are going to say something. Go right ahead. 
uh cash cab is not nearly as random as people think it is they know they're going to be on a show they just don't know that it's cash cab at that moment they're like on their way to be on a game show it's not I'm not surprised random people well, being picked up no come on sorry <laughs> Well, it is in New York. It could be very like if it was random people, it could be you know Cash Cab or Murder Cap, one or the other. I, I I mostly just put that out so Stephen can sleep a little bit more peacefully at night. <laughs> All right, we are moving on. Uh, the next pick here is going to go to hmm, Mike. Mike, you are choosing between the five seed of Password, the twelve seed Beat the Clock. So for uh, first, I want to I want to return back real quick to the to the. Pressure luck thing. I forgot to mention when I was voting. Does the whammy remind anyone else of the Noid? <laughs> yes. Avoid yes. the Noid. You remember that? Yes. A little bit. Uh, okay, so it's not just me. Anyway, uh, you want to you you want no whammies. You want to avoid the Noid. So okay, yes, we are we are children of a very specific uh, micro generation. Good, good, good to know. <laughs> um. I don't know. I, I, these, neither one of these particular shows were one I had a super strong affinity for, but I think I'm going to vote for beat the clock for a couple reasons. I think it's a little more unique. I think the format allows for there to be a more broad range of things that have to be done in order to beat the clock. I think it keeps it fresh a little bit. Password is fine, but I preferred, uh, the pyramid variations, which are essentially the same thing. Uh, beat the clock just tickles my, you know, seventies campy throwback itch a little better. And my final reason for voting for it is every bracket needs a 12, five upset. So beat the clock. gets my vote. Beat the clock picks up its first vote. The next pick here is going to Jeff. So I guess these are about the two oldest shows on the, uh, on the bracket. Uh, interesting. They're facing off against one another and, uh, gives me a, a little bit of a chance to ramble about the time that America tried to outlaw game shows. <laughs> uh, there, there was a period of time, and it was right about when, uh, when, uh, uh, pardon me, uh, Beat the Clock actually was on. Uh, Beat the Clock started, and I believe, in 1950. Uh, so during that first decade, few years of the 50s. The Federal Communications Commission, in all of its glorious wisdom, decided that the giveaways on TV game shows are illegal gambling and actually sued the networks or actually began to threaten the networks with revocation of their licenses if they continue to air game shows. Like, if you're going to have a moral panic about something... Something as innocuous as Beat the Clock, which was like a super tame adult double dare featuring married couples where they didn't even mention the woman's name because this was the 1950s and that's how you did shit back then, apparently. Uh, they decided, oh, you know what? This is gambling. We got to get this crap off the air. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And in arguably the second most. Influ uh, second most important case decided in 1954, the Supreme Court decided that game shows could stay on the air. <laughs> Who knew, right? Who knew that the existence of game shows owed itself in part to Earl Warren? 
so beat the clock has the uh, the advantage of one being unbelievably fifties, just like incredibly fifties, <laughs> and also being slightly transgressive because the FCC was actually trying to outlaw it. <laughs> um, password uh, was interesting also because it came out of the uh, the essentially nuclear bomb that went off in the game show industry in the next few years after that when people discovered that all of the quiz shows were rigged and so someone decided that in order to save the existence of game shows altogether we need a format that can't possibly be rigged so they came up with something like password which is you know as as has been mentioned before proto pyramid uh I think I'm going to give my vote to beat the clock just because any game show from a time when they were trying to outlaw game shows just kind of uh, gives me a little bit of the warm fuzzies. <laughs> Two nothing for beat the clock. Steven, you're up. Okay. So both of these things I know basically from references from other media. A password I know best from porno password from the cable guy. Uh, beat the clock. I know best from the Seinfeld <laughs> joke where George says that what it's what it's like trying to open a condom. There's a lot of pressure with the time. Uh, <laughs> so those are my two touchstones for both of these. That being said, um, password is basically taboo, and the only reason you play taboo is so that you can eventually find the one asshole that can't help but say the forbidden word and gets buzzed every time. And I have to imagine, even though I haven't found it, there's an episode of Password where some dumbass just keeps saying the password every goddamn clue until his partner bludges him to death with the closest dull object. And so, since I don't really want to watch either one of those, but there's a chance I can find that episode of Password in some hidden vault, I'm going to vote for Password. Yeah. Now, Password has a first vote. Next pick here, last pick here goes over to Tim. Alright, so both of these shows had their main runs long before I was born. Um, I might be the youngest one on here, even. Um, I've never watched an episode of either, but I do like the board game Codenames, and that seems vaguely similar to Password. Um, So at the risk of not caring if he screws this up or not, because I literally don't care, I'm going to vote for Password and kick it over to Chris. Oh, what have you done? I've seen both of these it, game shows. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what I've done because it, it's going to get slaughtered in the next round anyway. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Never know. You don't know. We. I, w- I honestly thought that Remember the Titans was going to be a final two, and then Moneyball happened. Uh, everybody drink. Moneyball. Somebody mentioned Moneyball. All right. I'm in for that. Me too. I have another Natty Ice. Oh, he's going to two. Oh, my God. Ah, I'm, I'm I've reverted to college days, man. Come on, you got a four pack. You got to get through all four of them, right? That's right. Well, I have seen both of these shows. Uh, I didn't grow up with either one of them, but you know, Game Show Network is a hell of a drug when it's on. <laughs> I love Game Show Network. I'm sorry. You know what? Um, for me, I actually did find myself watching Password more, and it kind of goes back to Steven, what Steven said earlier. I did find myself yelling at the TV screen a lot more watching Password than I ever did Beat the Clock. Neither one yeah. of these are bad shows, though. I want to be 100% clear here. They're a product of their time, but you could 
easily revamp these and put them on today, put a new twist on them, put them on today, and they'd be fine. Uh, but no, I am personally going to go with Password. I thought it was a more entertaining show, and I de- definitely found myself getting more engaged with it when it was on television. Also, Game Show Network, keep that around, please. I love it. We are yes, moving agreed. on. We've got our 413 matchup. And in this matchup, we are starting this one off with Jeff. Jeff, the four seed. Who wants to be a millionaire? The 13th seed of the wall. All right. I promise you all a rant about sets. <laughs> uh, and I've, I've referenced this in a couple of answers before. And there is a trend in game show sets that started with the game show revival initiated by who wants to be a millionaire the game shows had kind of fallen on hard times a little bit during the 1990s who wants to be a millionaire comes on in 99 and blows everyone's fucking mind and almost single-handedly revives the game show genre in america and it does so by using a set that is essentially designed to manipulate the individual who is competing. Uh, And I think Steven mentioned this in the last episode, that the ideal game show is one where you sitting at home know that you would be the ideal contestant here and you could get every goddamn one of these questions right. The questions on the original Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, that's not necessarily the case in some of the later ones, but the, certainly the original ones were super, super easy. <laughs> but they were put in, every contestant was put in this environment that featured the, a darkened, darkening room and these flashing lights and this super futuristic design that was made to look like the entire world's eyes were directed straight upon you. Every single game show since Who Wants to Be a Millionaire has used this trope in their set design, and it's gotten fucking tiresome. Uh, Deal or No Deal, or The Chase, or even the reboots, the new Name That Tune. I watched the new Name That Tune, there's the giant clock in the middle of the stage (laughs) that is just counting down and there's no reason to have a giant clock in the middle of the stage other than just to intimidate the contestant. And it's, it, it is because I believe the networks have discovered what Steven has mentioned here, that people watching at home love to think that they would do better than the contestants. So they have to essentially Harrison Bergeronize the contestant. They're the knocking their ability down to a level where, they're uh, not able to function as even vaguely functional human beings. And they do this via this super futuristic, light-intensive, almost seizure-inducing set design that honestly kind of wears on me. That having been said, the fact that Who Wants to Be a Millionaire innovated this and it, it came up with this brilliant idea that has just gotten on my nerves from its overuse. Has to give it the advantage in this matchup, especially because the wall uses the same goddamn set design. <laughs> uh, 
you know, maybe if this were a competition between Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and Chris Hardwick's other show, uh, At Midnight is a lot better show. No, I'm not referring to that one. Singled out as garbage. <laughs> I thought we were talking about Talking Dead. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot he, uh, he does those weird podcast things. Um, <laughs> freaking podcasts. Why would anyone listen to? Oh, you're right. God damn it. <laughs> Anyway, that's been my rant about set design, and because of its innovation in set design, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Not necessarily particularly innovative in format, but it gets my vote just because of how influential it's been on every game show that came after it. Well, I know everyone has listened to this podcast because they want to hear one random white guy from Raleigh, North Carolina's opinion on set design, but we're going to move on. (laughs) Steven, you're up. (laughs) all right at disney's hollywood studios there used to be a who wants to be a millionaire attraction you would go into it there you would play a fastest fingers to see who got in the chair first and then once the person in the chair lost uh because you were playing along in the audience the whole time whoever had the most correct answers in the fastest time would be the next person that goes up. And if you got all the way to the million level, you want a free Disney cruise. It was a great gimmick. Nobody ever won the Disney cruise, as far as I can tell. What I do know for an absolute fact is that three fucking times when the game expired and we had to leave to let the next audience in, I was the number one person and deserved to go into the goddamn seat to have my right to play. Three fucking times on three different trips, I was the next person up when they just decided time was up with no fucking warning for me. I will never forgive them or any member of the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire franchise. I am voting for the goddamn wall because the universe deserves justice. The wall! You know, we talked earlier about Stephen needing to ramp things up. I'm still waiting for that to happen. So, Stephen, if you could just take a couple of uppers, even yourself little more, out a little bit. A little more of that Mountain Dew from Shut last episode. Inject it straight into your veins. to a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next pick here goes to Tim. All right. Um, this one was really hard. This might be, looking at it, um, the hardest pick for me. Um, I really, really love both of these shows. Uh, you know, Jeff's Jeff took the words out of my mouth. You know, Millionaire basically revived the modern TV game show, uh, the trivia game show. Um, you know, yeah, Jeopardy had been running through that whole time, but that was it. And now we have a lot, a lot of these shows that we're talking about, the ones that are on today. We have Who Wants to Be a Millionaire to thank for it. Um, on the other hand, the wall gets my heart pumping like i am on the edge of my seat wondering what's going to happen in ways like it captures that 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 how's it going to play out better than say deal or no deal did you have no idea what's going on and they they draw that out they play it out you know they're standing there looking at each other's eyes it's like so on the one hand you know at this at this point there was like three million dollars on the on the wall and then I got to thinking about our kids and I, I knew that we, we, you know, all of that. And I'm on the edge of my seat because there's like 
a $3 million difference between whether or not they sign the contract or not. And no game show, no trivia game show gets my heart pumping like that. And I love Chris Hardwick. Chris Hardwick is one of the geek pantheon um, when it comes to like this era of geekdom. You know, you've got Will Wheaton, you've got Chris Hardwick. They were roommates at one point in college. Um, I love Chris Hardwick. I got the wall here. Wow. Okay. Who wants to be a millionaire is losing two to one to the wall. Mike. Chris. Um, Go. It, this is. I I. I agree with Tim. I think this is a tough matchup. Uh, I don't want to say the walls underseated because I know how you, I know you did the seedings based on number of episodes and the walls a little bit of a newer thing. It's natural that it would be a little bit underseated. It's a cool game. I love that it combines skill with luck. It, and it does for that reason. Probably I think is one of the reasons that Tim mentioned it really does get your heart pumping. It gets that adrenaline up. These are both multiple choice trivia games. I'm not a big fan of multiple choice trivia. Like I'm okay with the occasional multiple choice trivia question. I'm overall not a huge fan of multiple choice trivia. Uh, that's just a personal preference. Uh, and I remember, but I do remember like Jeff, when who wants to be a millionaire first came out and it was, I don't remember before that the last time that game shows were an event thing. Game shows prior to that point were the thing you watched with your grandparents when you were visiting. You watched Wheel, you watched Jeopardy. That was what you did. It was a wonderful thing to do. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't an event thing. Who Wants to Be a Mirror was an event thing. Everybody who was there at that time still remembers the first millionaire winner, you know, and he did the whole thing about, I'm going to use my phone, a friend. And he called his dad and said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I'm about to win a million dollars. Like it's Such an iconic a show. Move. It was as a, it, these are, in my opinion, I think both of these shows probably deserve to move on to the next round. But for me, who wants to be a millionaire just is that little bit more. It's more iconic. And I think, I think it's just because it was such an event thing for its time. I think it deserves to at least move on past this round. And, and I still to this day regret that when they had, who wants to be a millionaire auditions in Tampa, I overslept. But who wants to be mirror against my vote? One too many natty ices for Mike. <laughs> we know what the real reason was. You're not far off. <laughs> and that gives us the two to two tie, and that puts it back in my hands. I'm going to be honest with you. I think both these game shows for me kind of suffer from the same thing. It's the there's the the talk about like setting the stakes for what each of these means, like each of these questions, each of these ball drops, setting the stakes for what they mean. I just don't care as much. Like I'm I can I'm a logical person. I can set the stakes that when I move to the 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 five thousand to the next level and who wants to be a millionaire, I know what those stakes are. Yes, I'm well aware. You can give me the reminder that if I lose it goes all the way back down, but the the 
the tension building just doesn't buy it for me. It's one of the reasons why I love Jeopardy. There's no tension building in Jeopardy. It's straightforward. Here's the question. Here's the answer. None of this artificial nonsense. You mean like the set design, Chris? <laughs> right? You didn't bring that up during Mental Samurai. I have lost all of respect for you. <laughs> I was waiting until this one. Mental Samurai was the... this rant on no. a first matchup. <laughs> My turn to talk. Shush. Um, so where I go to from this is this. It's... Uh, I've seen both these shows. Uh, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I really wish, and I have nothing against her as a person. I just, I feel like it kind of lost a little bit when it went to Meredith Vieira and it kind of went away from the, you know, this is your weekly thing and it's now more of a daily thing and it's on at, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. Nothing to do with her as a host. I just didn't like, there was a huge step down in quality for that show. Um, But I have very fond memories of watching Millionaire with my mom, with my grandmother, uh, because my, my mom and grandmother loved Regis Philbin. I love Regis Philbin. I'm a huge Regis Philbin fan. Uh, may he rest in peace. There is something special about the event of that show that makes it that much more exciting. Yeah, Mike, well, we can go ahead and take a drink for Regis, too. We had one for Pat, or for, uh, not Pat, Pat Sajak is still with us. We had one for Alex. We can have a drink for Regis, too. Mm. Amen. Um, The Wall? It just bothers me a little bit. I feel like Hardwick is so good at so many things. I just don't think he's that good of a host on the wall. And I think it's because it's so scripted. It feels extremely scripted. And I want him to be more off the cuff. I want him to be more unleashed. Like, when he's on at midnight, he's phenomenal. When he was, that show's not on either. I'd take a drink for that, too, because that show is phenomenal. Hardwick feels like he's kind of in handcuffs on the wall. And that's not what I want. I know there's handcuffs and who wants to be a millionaire, but the Jimmy Kimmel version of the celebrities came back. That was entertaining as hell during COVID. That was entertaining. Even with the twist of having someone else sit with the celebrity, a smart person sit with the celebrities for the first five questions because somehow someone doesn't know what the capital of El Salvador is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great joke. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. That I'm glad good. someone here gets me. Um, yep. Yep. No, for me, this is this actually isn't close. It's who wants to be a millionaire. I had actually written it down earlier. I'm surprised two of you went with the wall. We have to rethink some panelists later for the next bracket, but we're moving <laughs> along. Next up, we are starting off with Steven. Steven, we have the we're, we're considering both versions because the U.S. version is very much inspired by the U.K. version of the chase, the six seed taking on the 11 seed celebrity name game. There are few things that I can really take more joy from in life than watching a hopeful person's beaming, beautiful face light up the screen as they begin to think of, you know, the end of all their debts and finally owning their own house and all the wonderful trips they're going to take. And then watching that smile slowly fade as their face becomes more pallid and sanguine. As the beast creeps closer and closer to what they thought was sure was an absolutely safe 20-question lead. And the schadenfreude of the chase is chef's kiss. It it, it is (laughs) unreplicated in the history of television. Watching these people who have somehow, they've avoided the temptation. They haven't gone for the higher bank. They've played it smart. They've kept all three together. Everything is going their way. And they're just up against a guy who literally plays trivia for a living. So he knows how to do this. 
and they watch all the effort they work for disappear in less than a minute. I love the fact that it's a game show that offers big prizes, but probably gives out less than any other game show because almost nobody wins. It's it's a brilliant exercise. Um, I don't have much to say about Celebrity Game Night. It's not a show I like. It's not a show I watch a lot. I'm sorry. The Chase, Chase is just, it's great. It's great. I love it. Chase gets my vote. Well, Steven has locked in a vote for the chase over a game show that's not even a real game show. I don't know what Celebrity Game Night is. We're talking about Celebrity Name Game. That one, too. Nonetheless, nonetheless, the chase has a one-to-nothing vote, and we're going to Tim. Yeah, this was not even close. Uh, whether it's the Beast, the High Roller, the Professor, the Buzzsaw, whether it's the Newcomers, the Queen, the Lightning Bolt, or whatever Buzzy Cohen is going to be, hashtag Buzzy Cohen for Jeopardy host, uh, it's the chase here. I'm not even going to take it any longer. All right, we'll take it. Next pick here is going to Mike. Yeah, uh, you can tell you got a bunch of guys that love game shows, but also happen to be trivia nerds doing this particular bracket. This, this w- Did Celebrity Name Game ever really stand a chance here? No, I don't think so. The, the Chase is a fantastic format. It combines a lot of the great things that you love about Jeopardy with a lot of the higher the high stakes and pressure sort of things that Jeff talked about when he was talking about who wants to be a millionaire about the the set design and the way that they zero in on you and stuff like that along with you're getting to face off against a proven opponent as opposed to just other you know other random people the chase is a just addictive and fantastic trivia game celebrity name game okay it's it's fine it's fun whatever the chase is is just i think the chase is one of the bet probably may, might be the best game show that has come on in the last decade it's fantastic it gets my vote all right and last but certainly never least jeff do we have the sweep yeah yeah the, the chase may be somewhat of a retirement program for former Jeopardy champions. Uh, I'm sure that Matea person is going to end up as the chaser at some point uh, in the near future here, just because that's just how shit works. Right. Uh, But yeah, celebrity name game, one of two extremely mediocre shows hosted by Craig Ferguson on this side of the bracket. Yeah. Uh, It's there, whatever. But yeah, the, the chase is a lot of fun. It it uh, it uses the set format to to uh, to perfection. Uh, you're yelling at the screen enough, but not too much because you know that the chaser also is like an incredibly smart person. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you're you. It's it's maybe a little bit of an update of, of Stevens thing about you're not sure whether you could be better on the on the show itself but you sure as shit want to give it a try and (laughs) that's a well-designed show so yeah the chase is it gets my vote the chase has to sweep and we are moving ourselves along the next pick here well looks like we're going back to tim tim You're going to have your choice between the three-seed Hollywood Squares or the 14-seed, the Nickelodeon classic Legends of the Hidden Temple. 
yeah, I fought for Legends of the Hidden Temple to be on here. Um, I'm a child of Nickelodeon in the 90s. Legends of the Hidden Temple is probably what I could attribute to getting me into game shows and getting me into trivia. And it's not so hard to put together a three-piece goddamn monkey. It's three <laughs> goddamn pieces. I'm sorry to take some of Steven's thunder because I know he was going there, but it's three pieces. Put them all forward. Put them together. It's not that goddamn hard. Um, and I just learned that the voice of Olmec is D. Bradley Baker. You may not know him by name, but he's the voice of every single clone in the Star Wars cartoons. He is Olmec. This is Legends of the Hidden Temple. Blue Barracudas forever. Move them on. Legends of the Hidden Temple has got its first vote. The next pick here is going to Mike. Well, I mentioned last episode that Double Dare was my gateway into uh, game shows on Nickelodeon. Uh, I got a few years on Tim, let's be honest. <laughs> Legends of the Hidden Temple, though, was on the tail end of my Nickelodeon view- viewership, and it was super cool. I loved I loved watching it. I loved watching them run the obstacle course and everything like that. It, had, it was at a fun format. I, you know, I was, I was starting to grow a little bit beyond Nickelodeon, like I said, at the, at the time, but I still, that was one of the last ones that I remember watching it. It was a fun show. In my opinion, it probably deserved a better fate, but it's going up against Hollywood squares, Hollywood squares. This is, we, we moved on the match game in the previous episode, but Hollywood squares is the best bar none celebrity infused seventies, eighties game show style games because it's a little bit, it's like trivia mashed up with tic-tac-toe. Like it's, it's fantastic. It's like, it's absurd, but it's, it's just fantastically entertaining. Recently, um, recently, uh, I guess about two weeks ago, I don't even remember now. Uh, I don't even know what it will be when this airs, but we lost Gilbert Gottfried. And one of the first things I did was I, w- I went and looked up some old Gilbert Godfrey clips and he was on Hollywood squares a ton and he was fantastic. They had so the celebrities they got were so entertaining. It added this additional layer to the game show is it, it Hollywood squares is another one of those that I feel like I grew up watching. It is iconic. It's, it's like a light, it's like lighthearted roasting and everything like that. It's so wonderful. I do love, I did love legends of hidden temple when I watched it, but it was still, it's still no Hollywood squares to me. Hollywood squares gets my vote. One to one, Jeff, you're up. Yeah. I, I guess I missed legends of the hidden temple when I was younger. And so when I go back and watch it now, I'm just like, Okay, so we're going to take every Mayan stereotype in the book and mash it into one show, apparently, and that's going to just be a thing. All right, fine, whatever. I mean, Mayan archaeology is fun. Uh, But... Hollywood squares. I, the way that Tim described legends of the hidden temple, I actually feel that way a little bit about Hollywood squares. It was one of the first, uh, game shows. I watched some on reruns clearly, uh, and some of the, uh, the, the that nineties version of it. And then the Tom Bergeron reboot of it in the late nineties, early two thousands that, uh, that was super entertaining. Uh, 
I know Bruce Valanche from absolutely nothing else, <laughs> but he's a legend because of Hollywood Squares. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, always the center square, always entertaining. Uh, I would always love how they would just mess with each other. The the occasional off color joke entertained the uh, the late teenage years me. Uh, yeah, Hollywood Squares is, is a classic uh, for multiple generations with good reason. It's just a hell of a lot of fun to watch. You weren't necessarily compar- caring about the contestant all that much or who won or lost. You just wanted to hear celebrities make fun of each other and uh, occasionally make fun of the guests and the guests play along. And it just seemed like a hell of a lot of fun. So Hollywood Squares, my vote. All right, Hollywood Squares is a two-to-one lead. Steven? First of all, let me say, I am shocked and chagrined. No one should vote for the Blue Barracudas over the Orange Iguanas. There's a vastly superior team out there. Come on! <laughs> um, and yeah, you're right. Uh, it's, it's ass, belly, head. The monkey gets assembled the same way every time. They never get rid of that room. And I've seen the back of the monkey. There are features there, too. You can figure this the fuck out before you put it together. Uh, okay, if you, I've been on a lot of boozies. I've been on a couple uh, pub trivia experiences. If you've listened and followed along, you probably know I'm kind of a bit of a mythology nerd. I like mythology. That's where I go. And I think the reason I got into it was Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's got that little, like, trivia section in the middle where you get kind of an introduction to these various mythologies and these little tall tale stories and that just captivated me as a kid and I don't know why um, but it stuck with me it stuck with me in a way that even the best jokes on Hollywood Squares hasn't and I think that's one of the reasons also why I don't like that show as much because it's not as much about the game show it's more about listening to people tell jokes about each other. So as a game show, I just don't think Hollywood Squares is that good. But I absolutely adore Legends of the Hidden Temple. I can't watch it anymore because the kids look so young. It makes me feel like I'm ancient. But in my head, there's still a perfect time when Legends of the Hidden Temple was incredible, when the Temple Guardians were scary as shit, where the monkey was impossible to assemble, and I would have given my left nut to be a contestant on Legends of the Hidden Temple. So it gets my vote. Well, this is interesting because we have a two to two tie. And just to to parse this out a little bit, um, Jeff and Mike are both a couple years older than me. And Steven and Tim are both a couple years younger than me. <laughs> yep. I was just thinking that, that awkward <laughs> in between spot. Except I'm not in that awkward in between spot. You know why? Because Steven and Tim are both freaking wrong. It's the freaking green monkeys. What the hell's wrong with you two? <laughs> Who the, no, the green monkeys. Every once in a while, you can go for the silver snakes, but no, the green monkeys was the best of that show. Uh, Steven's right. Listen, uh, the Hollywood Squares for me was never about the, the game. It was about listening to people say funny shit. And it was funny. But like, it was like the, the early beginning of my teens when Legend of the Hill and Temple came out, I was like 12, 13 when that show came out, and I loved it. I loved every minute of that show. It was my first foray into game shows, but I grew up in a game show house. Like My my grandparents and my parents watched uh, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy every night. 
So like this was like that version of that show that was 100% for me. Um, I have very fond memories of watching Legends of the Hidden Temple. I thought it was a fun freaking show. I'm going Legends of the Hidden Temple. And we can all agree nobody likes the purple parrots. Why are there purple parrots? <laughs> Wasn't there like the red jaguars as well or something like that? Yep, red jaguars. So I've, I've just given it a quick Google for uh, posterity's sake. The winningest team were the Silver Snakes at 38%. Green Monkeys <laughs> were number two at 33%. Uh, purple Parrots, 27%. The Orange Iguanas were statistically the worst team at 16%. Red Jaguars had 20%. And uh, just over 30% of Temple runs were completed. So that's the official stats. Blue Barracudas must have been in the middle because he didn't mention them. There's a bar down the street from me called the Green Monkey. Uh, if that, that's yeah. really the only uh, you gotta show, you gotta show up there with a couple of kids of and have names. them run around. <laughs> you just gotta show up there with a couple of kids on the run behind the bar, start throwing shit everywhere. It'll be a good time. That's moving on. We're down to our last two picks of the evening. We're gonna start uh, honestly with a show that I grew up watching uh, whenever I was homesick. Uh, maybe I'm the only one. I'm a little weird, and that's fine. Uh, Mike, you're kicking us off. You've got the seven seed chop to you drop, or the ten seed, the weakest link. Yeah, you're a little weird. Uh, first of all, as the uh, as as one of the two Vanderbilt alums on the show, I just want to say that I'm not surprised at all to find out that the orange team was the weakest team on Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was. Pro- it probably had to do with uh, potentially the uh, vodka and the way that they consumed it through orifices. That no, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, <laughs> UT totally deserves that, though. We're all right, we're not talking about that. We're there are like twelve about... people who are laughing their asses off right now in the audience. Yeah. All right. all right, all right, we're going off the rails. I'm going to bring us back in here. Uh, Shop to you drop is another one of these these consumerist type of shows that's basically like if you took the prices right and removed most of the variety of the games. It's not for me. Like, if I'm going to watch that type of show, I'll watch The Price is Right. It's much better. Weakest Link is not my favorite of the quiz shows. Um, I, I, I think I mentioned in the, I think it was the last episode, I think I was talking about de- Deal or No Deal, about it's that reality TV era of game shows. Like, it's sort of, com- it has a little bit of a survivor element. It's never been my cup of tea. It's not, not my favorite thing to watch. Uh, and it also did give us that, uh, very unfortunate if, uh, at least fortunately short lived thing about where every single thing that had to make a pop culture reference at that time had to have a, you are the weakest link. Goodbye type of reference. It was, it was like this little, little, like one to two year microcosm of pop culture. And it was awful, but it's still a better show. In my opinion, so Weakest Link gets my vote. Weakest Link has its first vote. Next pick here goes to Jeff. By the time you're listening to this in June, the Landmark yeah. Mall in Alexandria, Virginia will likely have been destroyed. What? Demolition. This is in April. The demolition is scheduled to start in May. Huh. I did not know. The Cary Town Center Mall down the street from where I lived when I first moved to Raleigh has already begun being destroyed. 
the conceit of shop till you drop could only have existed in a very certain point in time when the shopping mall was the center of our teenagers social life and young adult social life that area during the early 90s maybe up until the early 2000s or so where what you kind of just did was go to the shopping mall uh it's nice to have that time capsule in some ways, even though I don't necessarily miss the homogeneity of every shopping mall in America kind of having the same stores and with slightly different layouts. Even if there's something cloying about the consumerism of it, having that, that, way of going back and looking at those people who are so clearly excited and so clearly knowledgeable about all the things that occur during these these shopping mall trips it's interesting right uh one other thing about shop till you drop i uh i had to uh to almost cackle when i heard the uh the intro intro to the show talking about winning vacations to amazing shopping locations like Rome and Paris and who the fuck is going to Rome and Paris for the fucking shopping <laughs> you're going to see thousands of years of history and amazing architecture and beautiful art and yeah, maybe you'll buy a Hermes scarf or something while you're in Paris, but you're not going there for the fucking shopping. Come on. Uh, and yes, the consumerism, as you might have been able to guess, gets on my nerves. Uh, the weakest link, like Mike said, not my favorite uh, mashup between who wants to be a millionaire and survivor. Uh the voting never actually voted off the actual weakest link because people are selfish bastards and wanted to vote off the most capable person on this show always towards the end. So, so you can watch them that person carry the entire team and earn them so much money and get fucking shut out. And it just made me want to throw something at the screen. Uh, but Anne Robinson's pert little Britishisms and mocking, gentle mocking. Okay, the word gentle was inappropriate there. It was very rarely gentle, just straight up mocking of the contestants was uh, was fun. And so it gives it the slight edge here. So sure, link, weakest link gets my vote. All right, weakest link does get your vote. The next vote goes to Steven, who has stepped away for a second. No, I'm still here. I was surprised by that last <laughs> vote um, because you've railed so much about set designs. We got to one of the most interesting set designs and against one of the most boring copycat set designs. And you picked the boring copycat set design. I, I, I'm not sure what happened there. Um, yeah, shop to your drop. It's wonderful. It's colorful. It's stupid and glorious in its stupidity. <laughs> You have to love that. It is it's a show that's a product of its time, but I fucking love that time. That was a great time when you didn't have the money to buy any things, but 
man, could you spend a half an hour looking at stupid shit in Spencer's gift? Did you know they have naughty things in the back? I mean, come on. That was a great time in all of our lives. Let's go ahead and vote for Shop Till You Drop. <laughs> now, if Shop Till You Drop had a hot topic in it, maybe, maybe it would have gotten my vote. Shop Till You Drop is clinging by a thread. We're going over to Tim. Tim, does Shop Till You Drop tie it up? Isn't, isn't it Mike's turn? No, I'm done. No, it's your turn. Oh, it's, oh, okay. two, it's two to one. No, it's you. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, we've well established I'm a sucker for trivia podcasts. And more so than any of the other trivia podcasts on this show. Or trivia, sh- not trivia podcasts, trivia game shows. It's late. I'm sorry. Um, more than any of the other ones, this is one that you actually really, truly feel you could do well on. Um, and everybody else is a moron. Uh, so, you know, you, you feel like you're the guy who's going to get eliminated when there are three of you left. They're going to team up and take you out. Um, I like Jane Lynch as the new host. I think she is a good spiritual successor. Um, she has snark and it was spoofed on Doctor Who where the stakes were you, 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 you play or you die. Uh, if you're the weakest link, you get vaporized. Uh, Shop till you drop was fun, but it's the weakest link. Goodbye. And with that, the weakest link is going to move on, and I'll give my my two cents here real quick. There was a point after uh, when I was a kid, after Price is Right was over, you had like a three-hour window to kill before like anything really good came on. But there was always back-to-back episodes of Supermarket Sweep and Shop till you drop. Shop Till You Drop is not a good show. It would not have gotten my vote, but it deserved to be on the list. I I, I had memories of it. But we're moving on to our last pick of the evening. We're going to get this started with Jeff. Jeff, you've got the two seed of Wheel of Fortune, the 15 seed of The Hustler. So I think of Wheel of Fortune, I think of the frog. There was a frog on my grandmother's table, uh, and every night... She and her boyfriend would sit down and make a bet on Wheel of Fortune uh, that, you know, basically they would use whatever ridiculous, potentially quasi-racist method of choosing contestants they could. And they'd each choose a contestant, and whichever contestant uh, won, the other person would put $5 into the frog, and eventually the frog got quite rich uh but there are a lot of memories of family gathering around the table in my ancestral home in arkansas to watch wheel of fortune i don't love it as a show uh but i feel like that sort of memory and those memories exist a hell of a lot across the the culture in America. Most people who have grown up here have some sort of memory of watching Wheel with parents or grandparents, and it brings you back to a place where you and family were together shouting at a television that Come on, can't you solve this puzzle? The only fucking letter left is a U, my God! Or just weeping when somebody kept getting bankrupt. 
or whatever. It's it's a cultural icon at this point. I haven't watched The Hustler. I don't need to. Wheel of Fortune deserves at least one round, if not two, based on its cultural impact alone. Wheel of Fortune picks up its first vote. Next pick here is going to Steven. I consider myself a reasonably intelligent individual. I can do fine at most shows, at least not embarrass myself. The one show that I cannot do to save my goddamn life is fucking Wheel of Fortune. My brain just does not unscramble letters for some reason. I'm the idiot that sits there saying, well, yeah, I know there's only a U left, but how would you pronounce that shit? (laughs) I know that R-S-T-L-E are like the most commonly used letters in the English language. I still think like if I do my first spin, I'd be like, I want the Q. I'm that idiot. Okay. (laughs) I admit it. The Hustler is a fine show. I, I mean, I think it's like the fixed version of The Mole, which was a terrible show. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think it's kind of clever. I wish it had a better host. Uh, sorry, but you're not good at that. Uh, at the end of the day, despite my own dumbassery, uh, um, I'm going to go with Wheel of Fortune. It's a classic for a reason. I get why other people like it, but I never want to be a contestant on Wheel of Fortune because that would only prove to the world how dumb I truly am. It still gets my vote, though. Wheel of Fortune has another vote. Next pick here is going over to Tim. All right. This is one I actually toiled over because I am a fan of both of these shows. Um, Wheel of Fortune is a classic. It's a staple. It's one of the, you know, if we're doing the family feud thing, name a TV game show. It's going to be probably the number two answer uh, right after Jeopardy. Um, But I really, really enjoy The Hustler. Um, Craig Ferguson, he's he's a solid host. He's good at this. Like, it's fine. He doesn't need to be spectacular. He just pokes fun. Um, the, The concept is intriguing. I'm always wrong when I try to guess who The Hustler is. Um. The trivia is not too hard, but it's not all gimmies either. Even for multiple choice, there's a good balance there. And there's legitimate game theory to this one. Do you, do you want to you know, answer this question? If, if you're the hustler, are you going to answer this one right to bank it? Or are you going to, you know, maybe throw this one and, you know, throw people off the scent? You, you've actually got to game theory this show. And that just makes it amazing to watch. Um, I'm probably going to be alone here. I'm going with The Hustler, and I'm super sad that it was canceled just this month. (laughs) The Hustler picks up a vote. Our last pick here goes to Mike. I So I partially agree with Tim. I actually think The Hustler was a really cool premise. It was a really interesting game show to watch, and and the, the... game theory aspects of it about how do you play the game there there's a lot of cool stuff going on there it is unfortunate that it was canceled because it was a really neat premise but it was going up against wheel of fortune i i will uh jeff spoke uh, you know about his experiences watching this with 
I hate to say it because like I Jeff spoke about watching it with it with his with his grandmother and I I could speak about watching with my grandparents. It is not just a watch it with grandparents show. I don't want to demean it in that way, but that those are my initial memories of it for sure. And and that's where it sort of embedded my embedded itself into my psyche. We'll be talking about more of those later because my vote is going to Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune moves on to the Sweet 16, and we have reached the end of the episode. So when we get to the Sweet 16 next week, this is what you're going to be listening for. Jeopardy against Cash Cab. Password against Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. The Chase against Legends of the Hidden Temple. And The Weakest Link versus Wheel of Fortune. Some heavy hitters coming up. You don't want to miss that. Hey, listen, if you're enjoying what we do here at Boozy Bracketology, a couple things real quick. One, patreon.com slash P-T-E-B-B. All of our bonus content right there. Different tiers starting at $3 a month up to the, I don't even know what the highest level is anymore. I haven't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we got tiers at 3 5 and $10 a month. That money goes right back into us. It helps us buy new equipment. We just bought Steven a new microphone with that money. We've got uh, using that to upgrade our equipment here at the Boozy Bracketology and Pub Trivia Experience podcast. Find us on The Lounge, fans of Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology on Facebook. Also, do me a favor. Five-star rating. Write us a review. That'd be awesome of you. It's late. I'm going to sleep. For Boozy Bracketology, I have been Chris. I've been Steven. I've been Tim. I've been Mike, and I've drank my fair share of Natty Ice, and I'll be intrigued to hear what Chris gets me uh, chooses for me in the next episode. And I have been Jeff. We will see you next week with the Sweet 16 and some, uh, oh, some bad beer for Mike. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>